Welcome to Hollywood's Haunted, the podcast. We are tour guides for the Hollywood Haunted tours in Hollywood, California, which is not operating at the moment, thanks to the pandemic, but soon enough, maybe we'll be back for the summer. Uh, and we are here to discuss everything from hauntings to murders to the evil underbelly of Tinseltown. Bum, 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 bum. Our hosts today are myself, the wonderful Tia Bean. Also with us is the Roxana very Sanchez. Very lovely, yes. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and this guy over here. Whoever that guy is. It's a vodka. Looks just like water. How do you have vodka? I'm jo- it's water. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you are holding out That's on hilarious. us. That's hilarious. Oh my god. I'm so glad that was loud. So angry. Nice. You didn't so even angry. say your name. <laughs> oh, I'm holding a cup, I guess. Patrick, how you doing? Ready to go. <laughs> um, so tonight, uh, we're actually not doing ghost stories tonight, which uh, I should have had this plan better to where we would do uh, ghost stories on our first live broadcast. Usually we do hauntings and murders like the uh, like the intro I just read said, but tonight we are actually talking about some true Hollywood history, some real things that actually happened uh, involving bank robberies. I'm kind of sad that, um, that Jameson isn't actually here. Wow. Uh, because he really I mean, likes... no, he's a great storyteller, but does he have a, a specific bank? No, 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 no. Uh, no, because, like, uh, if... I was going to say, like, if most of our podcasts are, like, drama and horror, this is, like, the action film of yes. our podcast, which... Oh, man, yeah. that's so true. Like, we end most of our podcasts talking about action Action films to with the point, him. To the point where me and Tia were one day, like, maybe we should just make a new podcast about action movies, and you guys talk about action movies. But, and then I, and I sit there but, bored. But I can't... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And our third host, uh, what's your Oh, it's asleep. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, that's... Yeah, I always feel like... Jameson knows more about movies now than all of us. So yeah. It, it'd really just be him. Anyway, Which so... Which would be a great uh, podcast to just watch Jameson. Watch sure. Jameson, watch movies, and right. talk about movies. Right. That would be fun. So, yeah. Okay, they get it. We miss Jameson. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they get it. Jameson, if you're watching out there, uh, which you're probably not, because probably late. Um, who? Oh. Oh. <laughs> Getting some personal stuff he's out there. Abstained. He doesn't have, what? Because he doesn't have a Facebook. What? No, that he's always late. No, cause he's late. Oh, because yeah. he's late. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry, I wasn't yeah. listening. Um, <laughs> it was so just, it was quite who, the zinger. Who's going first with their story tonight? Um, I don't know. We we're now live. We could rock paper scissors. And we can actually rock paper scissors. Yeah. Um, I'd like to go first, but. Are we fighting? How do we do a three-way rock paper scissors? <laughs> oh, okay. oh boy, I would not sentence. Google that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right, all right. Let me figure out. I'll well, why don't rock. you rock paper scissor one of us first, and then why can't we all just do, do it? And then you know what I mean? Like, do, doesn't that make sense? We can like, try. Well, actually, no, that's true. Yeah, because if yeah. two people, I mean, if no, you yeah, really want to go first, that's fine. She can go first. True, I don't yeah. care. Okay, well, I'm going to go first, and then you guys can rock paper scissors for a second. Cool. All right. Uh, So the theme of tonight's... uh, Theme of tonight's... What are we doing? Um, The theme of tonight's podcast is 
Hollywood, bank robberies, da 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 da. Or located in California. Or located in California that, you know, have been made into Hollywood movies or have to do with Hollywood celebrities or wonderful heiress of a Hollywood bigwig. But mine particularly is action-packed and very exciting and um, actually took place not too far from here because I walk there almost every single week. Uh, mine is the shootout at the North Holl- Hollywood Bank of America. Uh, so uh, that's where I have my bank is Bank of America. They're great. Uh, they did not sponsor <laughs> me for this. They absolutely did not sponsor me for this, especially when I'm about to get into this story although it wouldn't be nice you know too bad you know i mean uh, if you want to do like a sound bite you know yeah that they could <laughs> bank of america is, is they're great, great. give me another credit card please <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i need one I um we'll pay it off but no like when i do my banking i walk there from here it takes me about 15 minutes we go through the mall we go up that way uh and everything and it's great uh they're cool I use their ATM. They're across the street from... So, okay. So, if you're not from North Hollywood, uh, it's about a 15-minute walk from our wonderful little podcast apartment here. Uh, we, we would walk up the street, and it is located on, like, uh, oh God, like Van Owen and, what, Laurel Canyon, right? Uh, yeah, it's almost a Van Owen. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's between, like, Van Owen and Victory. Yeah. It's around there. Yeah. Anyways, they don't really care. So, okay. They're like, oh, oh like, buy that food oh. for us or whatever, Ralph's. Or, we don't even know. No. That's hilarious. That's, that's cool. So, <laughs> uh, in preparation for this, I watched um, a episode on YouTube of a YouTube channel called Corrupt Crimes. It was episode 63, to be exact. Uh, I also watched the movie that was based on this actual crime called 44 Minutes. Uh, My story begins with two gentlemen, uh, Larry Eugene Phillips, who was born in 1970. He is a shoplifter. He also runs real estate scams. Oh, classy fellow. Uh, And uh, Emil, Romanian, Romanian, oh, sorry, Emil, uh, who's a Romanian national? Emil, I've got his last name, Matasaranu. I practiced this. <laughs> I'm pronouncing good. it. That right. was pretty good. Nice. What do you mean pretty good? What is it? If I'm doing it wrong? No, that was that's what I'm saying. I thought that was going to be really hard because no, Matasaranu. I, I, I couldn't. Even it's pronounce like it in my head. a cross between Isaac Mizrahi <laughs> and Modest Yahoo, um, uh, which was totally messing with my head because I like both of them. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but anyway, so Emil Matasaranu, but through this, because I don't want to keep saying Matasaranu over and over again, I'm probably just going to refer to him as Emil. There we go. Um, he is a Romanian national. He's born in 1966 and he runs a computer repair business as an electrical engineer. So, so far he's the nicer guy, I guess. I don't know, whatever. Uh, so they meet, uh, on Venice beach. They run into each other uh, and they strike up a pretty quick friendship. They realize that they have uh, some of the same um, 
interest, like guns and <laughs> explosives okay. and uh, armor and violence. Mm. Um, so good times, yeah, yeah, and crime. So in uh, this is in like the late eighties when they they meet each other in Venice. So in 1993, they rob an armored car in Denver, Colorado. I don't know why they're over in Denver, Colorado. Uh, but they get away with it. Uh, a few months later in Glendale, back over on this side of the world, uh, they uh, uh, they get stopped in their car for speeding during a traffic stop. Uh, the cops find that Emil doesn't have a driver's license, so they search the car. They find several AK-47s and rounds of ammunition in the car. Um... So, uh, for hunting, yeah, yeah. uh, yeah, of course, yeah, <laughs> of course, squirrels yeah, are really yeah, fast, right? Yeah. That nice widespread. I'm pretty sure it's season first. <laughs> they also find smoke bombs, two handguns, bulletproof vests, and radio scanners. Also deer, yeah, deer, yeah, you exactly. need those smoke yeah. bombs. Uh, <laughs> this, <laughs> they're like ninjas. <laughs> this will come into play later. Uh, an AK 47, which I learned I know nothing about guns, I'm not like, I'm not pro or against guns or whatever, but I'll probably not never own my own gun other than, you know, if like some virtual reality of like some zombie video game, maybe I'll own like a fucking that type of gun or a super zoker. But so just fake guns. I like fake guns. They're fun. I like shooting games. I'm actually really good at shooting games. Yeah, she is. I am very good at them. Yeah, she is. She is. Um my butt many times. Um but I, I don't like I don't feel like I need a gun living here in unless you want to rob a bank. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe after your story, we'll we'll talk about it. <laughs> oh no. no. Um, <laughs> don't want to talk Anyways, so an AK forty seven can fire sixty rounds per minute. So just to let you know. Anyways. It's a round per uh, Bubbles, I was shooting. Sorry, I don't know what I was trying. He doesn't trying know to, what it got. I was trying to imagine, like. like, what what is that, two two rounds per second? Did you just go like this? Like, you shoot a gun like this? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a super soaker. Just letting <laughs> you know. No, you gotta pump it every time for an AK, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Otherwise, the oh, stream man. of bullets doesn't get them wet the, enough. Yeah, it doesn't keep going. Air pressure behind those bullets. Okay. Exactly. Anyways, yes, so they had a butt ton of guns in their car uh they cut a plea deal uh that cuts out conspiracy and weapons charges uh to a few misdemeanor counts they spend less than four months in jail in 1995 they uh ambush an armored car in la they shoot two operators and kill one uh so they kill a guy yeah they get away with it they're not caught in spring 1996, they rob two banks in L.A. They make off with about $1 million. They wow. expected, however, to make out with about $2.5 So they're disappointed. And so because of this, they decide that they're going to rob another bank at this uh, later on, uh, actually in a few months. So in on February 28, 1997, in the morning... They pull up to the Laurel Canyon Bank of America. They are driving a white 
Chevrolet celebrity sedan. <laughs> They've uh, robbed an armored car and killed a person. Uh, and they've also robbed a bank and got away with about a million dollars, expecting, however, to get away with $2.5 million. Because they didn't get away with $2.5 million, they decide that they're going to rob another bank. So on the morning of February 20th, 1997, they pull up to the Laurel Canyon Bank of America, which is right around the corner from here. Well, a couple corners and up the street. It's about mm -hmm. a 15-minute walk. We uh, can give you the Google Maps later. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, they pull up in a white Chevrolet celebrity sedan. Uh, they are wearing armored suits. These are homemade armored suits of theirs that they've made out of a material called Armored. Armored uh, is five times stronger than steel, but they've also reinforced areas of the uh, of their homemade armored suits with steel plates. Wow. Later on, when the po shit, police typically no wear Kevlar, <laughs> yeah, which is not as strong. That's also going to come into play later. Kevlar can deflect regular bullets, but not what's going to come out of an AK-47. So they pull up in their white celebrity uh, Chevrolet celebrity sedan. They take several uh, phenyl barbitol, <laughs> which is a muscle relaxer. Crazy. Uh, to calm themselves down before leaving the car. They synchronize their watches and set them for about eight minutes because that's how long they think if um, the, uh, what's it called? Teller pushes the button? Yeah, the teller pushes the panic button. Mm -hmm. That's how long they think it's going to take for police to show up to the bank. In reality, it takes police about two to three minutes, especially mm. in North Hollywood. Uh, I can walk from the bank to the police station in about 20 minutes. So to drive that is like, yeah, like two seconds. Like, like, well, not literally, but very I wonder quick, where they yeah. got the estimation. Of I have minutes. no idea where they got eight minutes from, but it was. Because they, they, they seemed way so too many prepared pairs. with everything yeah. else. Like that's, that's strange. Yeah. And they had pulled off bank robberies before. So maybe that's what it took in the last bank robbery. I'm not sure. Maybe they didn't well, scope LA, out. Yeah. LAPD is pretty crazy. So they're carrying fully automatic machine guns. They get out of the car, they enter the bank. Two police officers patrolling the area spot the two go in. They see them going into the bank. With all of this stuff, like the yeah. guns, they're all, you know, yeah. geared up. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, oh, cool, they're depositing a check. Awesome. Right, yeah, they exactly. snatch a patron, a patron at the ATM on the way in. So they're holding a patron at the ATM at gunpoint on their way in. They bring him in. To the thing, you know. No time wasted. The, yeah, the whole point of doing the ATM is not have to go in the bank. Like, <laughs> yeah, messed up that man's. Yeah, they enter into the bank, blasting. They start just blasting away <laughs> at the ceiling. At the shooting ceiling. at okay. the ceiling. They're shooting away, uh, which to me I was like, why are they doing that? Why are they one wasting their ammo? But they had plenty of it, and two, why are they creating more obstacles for them? So now you have to walk over pieces of fallen ceiling yeah <clears throat> so the police officers outside that saw them go in they can hear the gunshots from outside and they choose not to enter of because they saw these machine guns and they're like we have these like <laughs> pistols <laughs> like we can't we can't go in because that's just they're yeah there's no way they're gonna be able to do that so but they like they obviously call for backup Backup shows up. 
LAPD set up a perimeter around the bank of their vehicles. Anybody they can get here shows up. Uh, except for SWAT doesn't show up till a little bit later. Uh, so the robbers are using armor-piercing bullets. Uh, and they shoot through a bulletproof door to get to the tellers. Oh the bulletproof God. door is only, like, bulletproof to, like, normal, regular bullets. Not these fucking gigantic bullets that they're using. That's crazy. I didn't yeah. realize they did that to get to the tell. Wow, yeah. Man, that's scary. So, uh... They're able to get to the bank manager who's there. Uh, if you ever watch any of the YouTube videos on this, he is interviewed. A lot of the people who are actually there give testimony. It's incredible. It's, yeah, it's incredible how calm everybody stayed, wow. too. Um, so the vault has less than $750,000 in it. Uh, or has less than $700,050 in it, what it than what it should have. They hadn't received their mm -hmm. delivery for the money in the morning. Now, granted, uh, Phillips and Modisera knew <laughs> are expecting to get away with close to a million dollars. So this is a little bit less than uh, what they are expecting. So they start blasting into the safe to get in, and they destroy much of the cash. Oh my god! Getting in. I always wondered about that. Yeah. They always. <laughs> I watch a lot of movies about heists. I, I just shit. spend all night wondering yeah. about <laughs> what if woke, they shoot money. I woke up in a sweat the other day. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> uh, the other day I got a tip dollar that had a hole in it, and I still took it. So. <laughs> hey, if the vending machine takes it. Yeah. <laughs> the dead guy who owned it apparently isn't going to use <laughs> Yeah. Um, so they take only about 300000 Uh And they split up and they take separate exits. Realizing they are surrounded, they begin shooting into the police vehicles that are surrounded. And the police take cover behind their cars. But the bullets are penetrating the cars. Mm -hmm. So the cops have 9 millimeters. Uh, nine millimeter bullets. They're about like this big. Uh, Emil and Larry have 30 caliber bullets, which are about that big. Ooh. Like three times the size. On their way out, a uh, die pack goes off and the money's pretty much destroyed. Oh, so oh, basically, man. you know, all bets are off. They it's just like have they to... over prepared in one area and then yeah. completely underprepared in other areas. That's how I feel like bank robberies go. It's like you do all this planning, but mm -hmm. it only takes two seconds for it all to go to shit. Mm -hmm. And once it goes to shit, it's a... Oh, it's bad. Should I not be saying that? He already not, said yeah. it. Before. Oh. Once it goes to heck, uh, it's a snowball effect and it just gets out of hand very quickly. Yeah. So SWAT still hasn't arrived yet. Several officers are hit as they're blasting at these vehicles. The, the police are desperately trying to hide behind their cars, but the bullets are going through the cars. Officer Whitfield is injured and struck uh, in the line of fire. Like I said, the die packs go off. So Officer Whitfield is wearing a Kevlar vest, and one of the bullets actually goes through the Kevlar vest. vest. He's hit about four times. Ooh. Uh, so cops run to the nearby 
shop. It's called B and B Gun Shop oh. <laughs> to borrow weapons. Oh my god. They goodness. run into like a local pawn gun shop and they're like, This is going down. And the gun shop tells them, take whatever you need. Oh. They let them have wow. anything. They don't take names. They're just like, take it. Mm. So they're able to get a few like automatic weapons. Uh, which they're a little bit better than what they what they have. Mm-hmm. Um so Martin Whitfield shot four times. So Martin Whitfield is shot, but he's in an area where the police can't get to him. He's in the line of fire and he's bleeding. Mm-hmm. And the police cannot get to him. So SWAT shows up finally. They use their armored truck to uh, get out to him, shield him, get him onto the armored truck and get him out of the way. Uh, Emil and Phillips get into get to their getaway car. Uh, Emil gets into the car. Larry Phillips walks alongside of the car, shooting rounds, just blasting off. He's <laughs> or the what was wait here the there we go. There we go. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> wonderful. Okay, yep. <laughs> this is peachy friendly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thirty caliber bubbles. Uh, okay. um, <laughs> this big. Sorry. Mm. Oh, she hates us. <laughs> <laughs> Continue. Continuing. Uh, so, Phillips switches assault rifles, uh, and he continues to shoot. Unfortunately, um, Emil and Larry, they get separated. Is this unfortunate, though? Do we Are we rooting well, for Well, unfortunate them? for them. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, uh, Larry Phillips flees into a residential uh, residential area uh he takes cover behind a parked truck uh larry phillips gun he jams for a moment uh he starts to be surrounded he sees that uh police are aiming at him and so he decides at that moment to take his own life and he shoots himself in the head well they got no money they have no escape so what do you do yeah yeah prison and you so, can't do death by police because you're padded everywhere. That is true. He's, you know, he's, yeah. yeah, suicide by police. It, it's, nothing's going to happen. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. So, uh, Emil, modest Ranu, continues to drive away. He spots a civilian in a pickup truck. He shoots at the driver who ends up being wounded, but he does get away. Uh, and he jumps into that driver's uh, Jeep truck. Um, he can't figure out how to start the truck. I'm guessing he didn't know how to drive manual. That's oh. what I'm guessing. Or that this guy had a kill switch or something on his truck. I can see the manual, because you have to push down the clutch, and, mm-hmm. and if you don't know what you're doing, you're probably not, yeah. But in that moment of panic, he can't figure out how to get this car on. Yeah. Or the guy took the keys, and he doesn't know how That's to... That's true, too. That's what I was thinking. How? Yeah. So he can't figure out... <laughs> How, so the truck is facing one way and his sedan is facing another way, but they're right next to each other. He jumps in the truck, can't figure out how to turn it on, and he ends up popping out of the truck and taking cover behind his sedan. Okay. Um, taking cover behind his sedan uh, under his car, and he starts open fire on the SWAT team. Uh, he's not going down. His chest armor is deflecting all of the bullets from the SWAT team. So the police decide that they're going to skip bullets. It's a technique 
where they shoot at the ground and the bullets bounce oh, up. Oh, yeah. Is that to, like, get him in the legs? Maybe, or the head. Yeah. Or so, uh, Emil is not protected in his legs, and the bullets skip up, and they hit him in the calf and ankles. Ooh. A couple dozen shots, more than 20, hit his legs, oh. which Ooh, would typically be fatal uh, if not uh, treated right away. Oh, yeah. Right, yeah. So, police surround him as he's dying, uh, but they choose not to move in because he is hev- heavily um, armored and they think he might have explosives on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can't call an ambulance either because it's policy if there are explosives in the area to not bring an ambulance in. Yeah. Uh, so he lays there in the streets for several minutes uh, and he dies from his injuries. Uh, 17 officers and civilians are wounded, but there are no fatalities. Hmm. Yeah. The family members of Emil Matasaranu try to sue the city of Los Angeles for failure to provide provide, uh, any sort of medical aid while he's dying in the street. Uh, But they end up dropping the lawsuit because, obviously... They didn't have a case. Yeah. <laughs> you know, judge and I, look yeah, at that and be like, yeah. really? I understand like when, when a family's hurt and upset and they're confused, mm-hmm. like I understand where they're coming from, but they, they didn't really have a case. So a year later, uh, two dozen LAPD are awarded for their efforts. Whitfield receives the purple heart, uh, from the LAPD. Ooh. And that is the story of the North Hollywood shootout. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's really close to the movie, mm-hmm. apparently. It was pretty close. Yeah. Movie's called Forty Four Minutes because the entire shootout, uh, from the moment they stepped into the bank till uh, they both died, till they both died, was about forty four minutes. Okay, which is a lot of time. I'm trying to think of who else was in that movie because there's a lot of people in that movie, and I was very surprised about that. It's a good movie. Anyways, who's going next? Um, but I'm going to talk to you about the, oh, sorry, sorry. Please don't kick the camera. Kick the camera, sorry. Be a professional. Uh, um, <laughs> it's about uh, the true story of uh, Dog Day Afternoon. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen the movie. I don't know if you guys have seen the movie. It's a pretty good movie. It's actually a really good movie. Um, it's, uh, it stars Al Pacino. stars Al Pacino. Um, it was... Um, I think it was even one of the movies that was put in the historical archive of yeah. of movies of uh, our you know lifetime. So that way, you know, when mm-hmm. humans are destroyed, the aliens will be like, "Oh, this movie was dope." Mm. Um, so that's one of the movies. Wait, you're presuming the aliens will speak English? Um, no, they're gonna just understand it telepathically. Oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. No, they're all just going to speak Pacino. You don't have to speak English, though, to fully to understand, understand. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, or right? understand yeah. a movie. Like, what so. does hoa mean? I don't, I don't know. But Maybe we get it. We get it in our souls. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, no, really good movie. Um, there's definitely a lot of uh, accuracies in the film compared to the true story. Um, but there's also a lot of inaccuracies and even the guy, John Stanley, Joseph Wachowitz, which I hope I'm saying that right. If I'm not really, really apologize. Um, but, uh, 
he he actually stated that the movie was about thirty percent accurate to the true story. Um, so yeah, close. But he did he did really enjoy him being portrayed as Al Pacino. He was mm-hmm. he was totally cool with that. He thought he thought they did great. But who wouldn't? You know what I mean? Who's gonna be like? Ah, I don't know. I'm not really Al Pacino esque. I'd be like, yeah, yeah. That was even if it wasn't mm-hmm. like me, I'd be like, yeah, that's. You want Liam Neeson to pay, play me? Yeah, totally. That's exactly I I, who I am. I should be played <laughs> by either totally Emma Roberts right. or Aubrey Plaza. That's a good one. Roxana, who would play you? Oh, well, he just passed away. Sean Connery. Would play you? Oh, yeah. absolutely. Damn, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Don't be mad, but I was going to say Kristen Stewart. Oh, uh, we're going to have words later. <laughs> I was going to say Johnny Depp, but... Thanks, oh, <laughs> guys. I feel, right. I feel the love. Thanks. Okay. I mean, Anyways, she started continue. with Sean Connery, so... Well, that's I mean, true. Yeah. That was just to honor... Anyway, Johnny Depp Sean or Connery. Helen Bonham Carter. I think, okay, I like the Helen Bonham I think Bonham we should Carter, yeah. honor the late Sean Connery and, of course, the late Alex Trebek. Oh, Alex oh, Trebek. Yeah. Okay, anyways. Anyways, moving on. Tell your Back story. Back to bank robberies. Yes. Um, but yeah, it was uh, about uh, John uh, John Stanley Joseph Wachowitz. Uh, he was born March 9th, 1945 in New York City. Um, he even served in Vietnam. He was married to Carmen Bifalco in 1967. He then had two kids. Uh, then they got divorced in uh, 1969. And then in 1971, he met Elizabeth Eden at the Feast of San Gennaro Festival in New York City. Um, which is funny because it made me think of the, the, the San, one. San Gennaro Festival in Hollywood. That, that we go to. Yeah, the one that used to happen right behind uh, the El Capitan Theater. Um, this one's probably cooler. Um, I'm just assuming because it's New York City. And the one that we would go to was like half a block long. Yeah, yeah. And it was but like, I got free string cheese. You did? What? I never got free string cheese. You got free string cheese. You just don't remember. I was so cheesed out. It was... Okay, anyways. (laughs) Um, So um, they actually, he met Elizabeth in, uh, like I said, New York City in that festival, and then they got married the same year. Really hit it off. Uh, August 22nd, 1972, John and his friends Salvatore Naturale and Robert Westenberg decided to rob a branch of the Chase Manhattan Bank. Uh, that was 450 Avenue P in Gravesend, Brooklyn, uh, which I thought was interesting. It was called Gravesend. Ironic. <laughs> no, it's not. Really. Stop hugging <laughs> the camera. Just get, get to the story. <laughs> um, so this is just to tell you like what actually happened, and we'll get kind of more deeper into it. Um, but they held seven Chase Bank employees for 14 hours. Uh, Rob Westenberg, um, the third accomplice, actually fled the scene before the cops even showed up. Um, he heard police sirens, apparently, and just took off, and th- the robbery was underway at that point. Um, uh, Salvatore Naturale was uh, killed in the final moments, um, and then John was arrested. And apparently John said he had done it for Elizabeth Eden's sex change surgery, because uh, Elizabeth was actually a transgender uh, woman. She was... Um, known as a man before that um so that's that's she the... was a man but trapped in a no no she was a woman trapped woman in a trapped, woman in, trapped in, in a man's, in a man's body. body okay yeah sorry thank you for she was a woman all the time 
Okay, okay, yeah. Thank you for clarifying that. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, so that's, yeah, that's the... That's the story, um, and if you've seen the film, it very much depicts John as a um, like man versus tyranny. You know, he's like fighting the machine type of thing. You know, he's screaming Attica, Attica, uh, which if you guys don't know, that reference is actually to the prison riots in Attica that happened. And that was the first time uh, ever that a could basically a prisoner was mistreated for like the thousandth time, and the prisoners had enough of it. So they had a riot, and they actually took like over forty uh, guards hostage, and they had all these demands, and they mm -hmm. kind of you know things did sort of change because of that. Yeah. So him screaming Attica was you know like like fighting against tyranny, you know, and this mm -hmm. whole thing. I feel, though, like, after watching the movie and learning, like, a little bit about the this case, the situation, was that he was just kind of screaming a lot of things to the... Oh, to incite the crowd. To incite the crowd. Oh, yeah, he was totally like, high on it. Rodney himself. King! Yeah. Yeah, Rodney right, King! Yeah, exactly, you know, like, yeah. that's, like, what he was screaming out. And it was... It, I think Al Pacino definitely played it very well, where he was, like making it up as he goes like people are dying in here like nobody died nobody died in this whole thing you know spoiler alert but like people are dying here we're gonna be we're gonna well yeah <laughs> we're gonna be throwing the bodies out it's like no you're not no you're not you know mm -hmm. but what do you say when you don't know what to say when you're not experienced in this like it was definitely their first time attempting any of it they didn't rob any banks or anything prior right they weren't like... um well let me get into that so, okay all so right so this is this is what really happened and i got um, most of this information from an article that was written in the new york post and then also from the dog which is a documentary that came out a few years ago mm -hmm. um and the dog is a huge contrast from the film mm -hmm. especially the character al pacino plays of, of john so the night before the robbery, John, Sal, and Robert Westenberg, or Bobby as they referred to him in the article, they stayed in a New Jersey hotel, and John had agreed to pay Robert $50,000 for his help in the robbery. Uh, but John wanted more for that much money. Uh, in quotes, I grabbed a hold of Bobby, and I wanted to F him, because he used to dress up like a girl. He goes, I don't want you effing me. I said, I'm giving you 50 grand and you're telling me I'm not getting an F out of it. So then I effed him. Yeah, John wasn't exactly like, you know, man of the people type of person. He was like a self-proclaimed pervert. Like, oh, yeah, he, he, he knew he was being, a perfect, yeah, he, knew he was it, all yeah. about it, okay. Um, so he met Carmen, his uh, first wife, at a bank where they used to work. Which goes into play uh, in the film, if you've seen, he has a lot of knowledge of how banks work. Um, and that helps him out in the robbery a few times. Which is interesting, because in, in the film, which is the same as the reality, is that they do run into a lot of different hurdles that they didn't plan on. But a lot, a lot of this wasn't planned in general. Um, so like I said, he met Carmen with the bank where he used to work. And then after that, he was drafted to Vietnam. And that's where he has his first homosexual experience. Mm -hmm. That was during basic training. 
Which, when I wrote that, I remember thinking, like, oh, that's a great name for a gay porn, too. Basic, Basic training. I'm sure it exists. I'm sure it exists. True, and yeah. somebody yeah. find it. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. it exists. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, Someone send us a clip of Basic Micah's training. actually watching. I'm sure that's his burlesque name. Oh, nice. That's his new burlesque name. <laughs> Basic <laughs> training. Yeah. Yeah. Come over here, Lieutenant Micah. Oh, all right. We're gonna, oh, no. We can't no, edit that. Stop. Damn it. I forget we stop. can't edit. Uh, sorry. Uh, yeah. Um, so after Vietnam, he joins the GAA, which is the Gay Activists Alliance. And he's actually married at this point. And he says that, you know, he's just trying to do this at, you know, because he's like, you know, trying to help out the, the alliance, you know, and help out. Uh, homosexual rights, uh, but he definitely does this more for sex than the politics. Uh, this was also in quotes. Mm. I was a member of the entertainment committee, so I would meet and greet all the new gay people coming into the scene. I could have sex quicker than anybody else because they were just coming out. Wow. Yeah, Way to take advantage. He was advantage. like right on it. Yeah, entertainment committee. Yeah, exactly. Um... Randy Wicker, who was the uh, a journalist, apparently, that helped negotiate um, him um, transferring the, or the, selling the film rights, basically. Um, he said that, um, he remarked um, John as a, he was considered a disgrace at, at all of the GAA uh, alliance, um, activist alliance uh, meetings and dances that they would have. He would fall on the couch... Oh man, so much suspense in this page turn. God, it's gonna stuck? turn. It's gonna be gone. Oh, Wait, he okay. would fall on the couch and start having sex with somebody. Oh, in a semi-public place. <clears throat> um, so John left Carmen in 1971, and that's when he met Ernie Aaron, who went by the name Elizabeth Eden. Um, they were married in December of the same same year, um, but it was a non-binding marriage because. Gay marriage, oh, you know, in oh, yeah. the 70s, yeah. you know, it wasn't really a thing, unfortunately, yet. Um, so... Not till recently. Right, actually, yeah, exactly. Unfortunately, yeah. and thank God... Thank God it's gonna stay. It's gonna probably, stay, yeah, most we'll likely, yeah, probably. Fuck, yeah, probably yeah. <laughs> um, so, Eden's friends, uh, they didn't like John, and... They said, in quotes, he was skeevy, he was obsessed with sex. I thought he was pretty stupid. Uh, for a year, Eden discussed having a sex change operation, uh, which John was apparently completely against. Uh, but Eden tried to kill herself, so John decided she needed the surgery to save her life. So he planned to rob a bank. And that was kind of how it started. Um... So he robs the bank and all that, you know, told you all that other stuff. Um, so and then he sells, he sold the film rights and actually did use the money selling the film rights to pay for Aaron's sex change operation. So him robbing the bank, the story, like, it's still, it comes full circle. Like, mm -hmm. which I thought was interesting. Unfortunately, after the surgery in 1973, Elizabeth, uh, Used to be Aaron, now Elizabeth, mm -hmm. uh, told John he never wanted to see him again. So John slit his wrists, but survived. Oh, wow. Um, that's when, uh, so John went to prison, of course, for, uh, he was supposed to serve 25 years, but he served uh, five, I believe. Um, and that's where he met George Heath in prison. 
and he married him when he got out in 1978, and they moved in with John's mother. Uh, when John got out, he applied to be a guard at the exact same bank. Mm -hmm. uh, he ended up cleaning toilets, actually, in Park Avenue. But he would, sometimes to make extra money, stand in front of the bank that, and wearing a t-shirt that said, I robbed this bank, would sign autographs and sometimes catch what a guys. badass. Yeah, right? I yeah. mean, way to take advantage. He sounds like he knows how to take advantage of situations. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And, and it's funny, too, because this wasn't their first attempt. Um, they tried a lot of banks. Um, the first one, these were all in the New York area, too. Uh, the first one, they, they got out of the car and they dropped a shotgun and it went oh. off. And, of course, you know, a crowd's like, well, what the fuck's going on over there? So they took <clears> off. <throat> Yeah, um, the next one, they run into one of their mother's best friends. And then, of course, you know, they're not going to do it because, you know, like, mm -hmm. obviously, one of the, they're going to be like, hey, you, you sound like my son, you know, or whatever. Um, Billy, of course is that you? <laughs> of course they talk like this. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> and then the third time before they f up this one. They crashed into a car. I'm sorry. Dad, you before they effed up this one. I, I put those F's in earlier too. Yeah, right? exactly. I was doing so effing good. Good. It's so effing good. Um, the third time, they actually crashed into another car. Uh, the getaway car crashed, crashed into another car, so they couldn't do that. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was super, super hilarious <laughs> that they actually did that. But yeah, that's the true story of uh, Dog Day Afternoon. Um, very good film, but yeah, definitely not exactly accurate. Mm -hmm. They, they Hollywood the hell out of that film. Um, uh, but it's really good. Um, there's a lot of, uh, the guy that played Sal, um, was actually not going to play the character. He wasn't right for the role at all, but Al Pacino had worked with him on The Godfather before. And this was like the third thing they worked on together and turned out he was amazing. And unfortunately that was his last film that he oh. ever made. So he he had made another film before then, which was re released po posthumously. Um, but yeah, that was the last film he ever made. And well, why? Because did he pass away? He passed away. Oh, yeah. He was so good in it. He too. was great. Yeah, but they really didn't think he was. He was. He wasn't even going to be. He wasn't even on the mm -hmm. table, you know. But Al Pacino just knew he had that great chemistry with him. Yeah. And like, apparently, the director was really free with a lot of like. None of it, there was very little soundstage stuff. All of it was done on actual streets. And when they go into a building, they're going into the Ooh, building. They're not okay. going into a building. And then they switch it to, to a to big soundstage, sound yeah. you know. And then a lot of the script, which was based on the article that was um, that was written about this story. The script was taken from this. But um, a lot, a lot of, a lot of the script, they were kind of like, let's, we need to make it more natural. So they would reshoot it and just let them improvise and just let them go off. And it was funny because I don't know if you remember the. Have you seen the Dog Day Afternoon? Before? I have not. It's really I cool. Have not yeah, you check it out. Um, but do you remember the line when he was like, oh, you know, they're talking about like, because the whole thing goes completely messed up. Like everything doesn't go right. Well, because they're so and they, unprepared yeah. and they're so over their head. And and they actually yeah. didn't have the money. They had like it was only like seventy grand they had in there, like a hundred thousand in the or no, sorry. It was only like seven thousand. And the surgery was like, you know, double that. So yeah. they were already screwed, you know, so nothing nothing yeah was going right. Um what was I saying? What was my point with that? Uh, I got off track, sorry. 
Well, what I love about this is, like, they went in thinking, they had seen, like, Al Pacino in his movies, and they were like, we're going to go in, we're going to do this, like, gunfight, we're going to be, apparently like... Apparently, The Godfather was a, t- a part of it. Yeah. yeah. Oh. We're going to be Al Pacino and, like, uh, life imitating art and, like, being full circle, like, Al Pacino plays him, you know? Mm-hmm. It's so oh, yeah, sad. That's what I was going to say. Sorry yeah. before I forget. Um, like I said, they were free, very free with the script and like the one line where he says, um, where, where do you want to go? Cause he's like, shit, we can't, we have to get away. We have to, we have to ask for a jet. So we'll ask for a jet, but where do you want to go? So yeah. he's trying to get Sal to kind of be comfortable with, with it. And he's like, Sal, where do you want to go? What country do you want to go? Cause you have to leave the country. You just robbed the bank. You can't yeah. stay mm-hmm. in the United States. Wow. So he's like, what country do you want to go? And Sal like thinks about it and he's like, Wisconsin. That's you know, and Al Pacino's like, Sal, that's not a state. That's not a state. You know? We got to go out of the country. It's not a country. It's a state. Uh, with a better Al Pacino accent. Yeah. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, so he, says, <laughs> so he says that, like, you know. Is that not Al Pacino? And, and apparently, um, that was totally off script. He, he was not supposed to say Wisconsin. Oh, I that see. Was him okay. Riffing, riffing. You know? But the director kept it because it was so unique yeah. and original. And they, it kind it kind of kept base with the whole idea that this whole thing was fucked up and nothing was going right. Even their yeah. conversations weren't correct. You know, like everything was wrong. Yeah. It, I mean, they're, they're very quickly in over their head. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. I felt like they were very... Uh, I wouldn't say arrogant because well, they kind of were because like the true story yeah. is is way different because he actually robbed like a hundred and seventy five thousand dollars after getting it from other areas in the bank, you know, like that was their I plan. The reason they got busted was because they found they didn't find enough money and they it originally and they started burning the thousand dollars that was there. Oh and the yeah. Cop, and the cops saw the burning smoke coming from the building Bank. and that's why the cops showed up. Not even because <sighs> the they bank just robbery. got a bunch of people hostage, you know. Yeah. It was mm-hmm. like they were they were arrogant, yeah. Or he was. One, he was definitely crazy. One thing I do love about the movie though is that there is a baby Caroline Kane, that's her name, right? Who is the who's from Taxi? She's also in oh, oh, uh, the in uh, the Incredible Kimmy Schmidt. She's a landlord. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and she's also like the grandma oh, in the Adams young? family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she's yeah. like a, values, not the first one. Uh, not yeah, yeah, not the first one, but the second one. But she's a baby. She's That's like right. twenty years oh. old. Right. She's a baby. She's playing a very normal character because Taxi was her big breakout role. Mm-hmm. You know, opposite uh, Andy Kaufman. You know, which was huge. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. but uh, Carol Kane. Michael Micah says Carol Kane. Well, with a question mark. So he's being polite. He's politely. <laughs> Carol Kay? Is that, is that me? Um, but she's such a bee. <laughs> okay, stop flirting with Micah. This is just an energy drink. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. Oh, I touched her in the wrong spot. Oh, That's what she said. Okay. Okay. Woof. Okay. All right. So, um, moving on, yeah, right? Yeah, now to the loser of rock, now paper, scissors. Now to the loser of rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> yes, it's me. We're going to move on. Um, I need to pee, but you feel free to start. We'll figure out the camera situation. There we go. 
I'll fix okay. it. You get, yeah, fix it. <laughs> you, I won't be missed. Nobody even knows I'm here. Hopefully she won't interrupt the story, though. And my voice is that high pitch. <laughs> I know, I've been working on my impressions. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh my god that sounds exactly like him wow it, it's like he's in the room right, right yeah. now yeah. <laughs> uh, well thank you guys for sticking around this late for the last story uh um, this is going to be about patricia patty hurst mm. well her nickname is patty but apparently she prefers patricia but every thing that I looked up was pretty much Patty Hearst, so no, I'm the, the same press way. didn't care. Right. I'm yeah. the same way. Yeah. Uh, so she was born February 20th in 1954, and she is the granddaughter of William Randolph Hearst, and I think if you have lived in California, you've definitely heard the name Hearst, uh, Hearst Castle. Uh, you can go up and take a tour of his glorious expansive estate with just i've taken a tour it's fantastic but it's just like look at how much money i have Woo yeah it's funny that's yeah. Yeah, I took that, it. that's how i felt like because i wanted to go see the doheny mansion after we talked about it but that's how i felt too was like yeah like awkward it's like, gold, like gold leaf ceilings in his guest houses yeah the gold flakes in the one of two pools i yeah. took a two-hour tour of Hearst Castle. There are four tours mm -hmm. and they overlap, but you don't see, but there's a reason there's four tours mm -hmm. because you can't see everything. Every, yeah, one tour, yeah. You can't see this person's house in two hours. No, exactly. <laughs> but you're also not allowed to step off the gray carpet. Uh, there's a gray carpet everybody has to walk on. And if you step off the gray carpet, there's an alarm that will sound to keep people from just wandering off into the house and being like i'm going to live here now really? that's crazy oh yeah so, i mean that sounds like my dream <laughs> right yeah great carpet that people can't you, know, you have to I'm, stay there no i'm just gonna dis oh well that so and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i would love if people would stay on the gray carpet in mm -hmm. my house uh but also like I'm going to disappear from this tour and I'm going to secretly live in this beautiful you mansion. Could. There's so many I mean, yeah, rooms. if it takes that long to tour the place, yeah. Yeah, so he was super rich. Yeah. Uh, he was, you know, in the newspapers, very influential, mm -hmm. um, very powerful in the state of California. And again, when it came up uh, to marijuana, he was definitely against it, putting in his papers. Boo, marijuana. I heard that he was against marijuana because, because of hemp. Because hemp, yes, he printed his newspapers on paper, and well, hemp, like most people do, newspapers on paper. Yeah, and because <laughs> hemp versus paper, paper and whatever, yeah. it had nothing to do with smoking. Yeah, it. exactly. But they used that was their in to get people to be like, oh, it's terrible. F you, Rosebud. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho, so yeah, she was the granddaughter, uh, definitely an heiress. Uh, so she was living in Berkeley in 1974. She was in an apartment that her parents had paid for her. And she was a sophomore at Berkeley. And she was living with her fiancé, Stephen Weed. Uh, interesting last name after what we were just talking about. <laughs> Anyways, but no relation to the actual Weed. Um, I wish I was in Berkeley in 1974 with dating a guy. Apparent? 
with your, with, your, with an apartment paid for by your parents? With my apartment paid for, and yeah. my boyfriend's name is last name is Weed. Yeah, like Stephen this is Weed. like a dream. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> she's living. She's living the Berkeley dream, and um, it, they were just chilling out at home, and there is a knock on the door. And she, oh, when they opened the door, that's when the SLA came on into her apartment. Now, who is the SLA? The, uh, okay, let's, I, I don't want to say this wrong. Because, you know, I'll get made fun of for the entire time. <laughs> oh, like you do me? <laughs> I know. Right? I know. Like, She's just that. waiting for it. I will it's make the, fun of you. It's the Sibianese Liberation Party. And you're going, what's Sibianese? Well, it's off of Symbiosis. Uh, and symbiosis is, you know, the relationships where... Who's making fun of me? <laughs> no, okay. Stephanie just said, what did the poor slut do here? <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. uh, so anyways, uh, the symbiosis um, of everything, everybody working together. So their, their whole thing was they wanted to create this movement, a very far left uh, kind of movement to help everybody out. But they were a little bit uh, misguided. And anyways, um, so they broke into the apartment and they ended up kidnapping uh, Patty. And what they did was they kind of put her into a, a bit of a closet. Like, not a, it, was a, it was a closet. <laughs> and they held her in there. <laughs> not a bit of a closet. It was a closet. It was a bit uh, of a closet. Yeah. With the uh, blindfold. And they would let her out to eat and everything and, and they would give her reading material but all it was was like their pamphlets and their kind of uh, the propaganda that they were trying to get out so they would make her that was the only thing she was allowed to read when she was in the closet and then they would make her memorize it and they would record her uh, repeating uh, a lot of the things that she was saying and I think it was on the 13th day that they had her in captivity that she was starting to digest this information and at the very least seem like she was buying into it. Crazy. Now, the reason why they actually ended up kidnapping Patty Hearst was um, beforehand, this group, they weren't very coordinated. And so they would get themselves into trouble. And two of their members had actually gotten arrested and were in jail. And so they figured, oh, if we capture this high-profile person, maybe we can negotiate for her, her freedom. And Patty Hurst, I mentioned she had been engaged to Stephen Weed, and that had actually happened a few weeks beforehand, and it was published in the paper. Like, it's the engagement announcement. So they figured, oh, we'll go after her. She's high-profile. She was just in the papers for having uh, gotten engaged. This means if she gets kidnapped, we'll probably have a higher coverage of the story and a better chance to negotiate to get our two people out. That's marketing well, right there. That's just really well, it didn't work. <laughs> you can't do that. Uh, so when they figured out that they would not be able to um, trade Patty Hearst for their two colleagues... Uh, they decided, well, she comes from a rich family, so we're going to have her ask for her, her parents for some money. And what they said was, we want money so that we can feed all of the poor people. And they estimated it would probably be around, exactly, $400 million. 
will yeah, feed all the all poor people. The poor people. Like, not like just a few, people. just yeah. all the poor people. Carry the one. Yeah. 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 I think that's four right. Million. I think an even four million. <laughs> or four hundred million. Four, okay. And okay, of course, okay. Patty's parents were like, no, we're not giving you four hundred million here. Here's four million. And mm-hmm. so they do take the four million. Uh, they do buy food there, and they are distributing it. Um, but it gets shut down because at one of the distribution areas, more people showed up than they had food, and all heck broke loose. Like they started to fighting, they started looting. So all of that kind of just got shut down. And SLA again had good intentions, but didn't seem very well organized. Mm-hmm. Didn't really plan ahead. Didn't really know what they were doing. Uh, and um, SLA was actually started by Donald DeFreeze uh, after he had escaped from prison. So, you know, it's already going Definitely well there. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Sounds, sounds he just walked out. He was a part of like, one of the work, the chain, gang, gang, chain gangs. Apparently something happened and he was just able to, to walk away, uh, start this new organization. Uh, their symbol is also really interesting looking. It looks like a snake that has seven heads. And he says that it is um, based off of the seven principles of Kwanzaa. And there's also other sources that say it was um, based off of the seven-headed Naga from India and Sri Lanka. So again, they're really borrowing these things from different cultures and kind of just mashing everything together to justify all of this, basically violence that, you know, they do some good stuff, but it always seems to end up horribly wrong. Um, so at this time, they pretty much tell Patty, uh, you can join us or we will let you go. And she says they pretty much insinuated that if they let her go, quote unquote, she will probably be killed. So she felt she was coerced into towing the party line, so to speak, and join the SLA. So she joins the SLA and she actually changes her name to, um... Tanya. And Tanya uh, is named after Che Guevara's, I probably said that wrong too, uh, associate, uh, Tanya the Gorilla, and spelled G-U-E-R-I-L-L-A, and not like the animal gorilla, exactly. And so she names herself after Tanya. And then on April 15th of 1974, that's when we get the bank robbery, that we have the iconic picture of Patty Hearst holding the rifle. So it's Hibernia Bank robbery, and this is all up in San Francisco at the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Around 10 a.m., the SLA pretty much burst into the bank. Uh, Patty Hearst can be seen on the security camera footage holding a rifle and she's yelling at the people in the bank to, you know, obey. And I'm sure Mm -hmm. you can find this online or even post it to the Instagram. Yeah, she's got like a hat. She has like the dark hair. It looks almost like a trench coat and she's holding uh, a rifle. I mean, it it looks comedic. Oh, I was going to say really cool. Oh, (laughs) Almost said badass. Well, no, I mean, because she, you know, she looks like, you know, a a woman not wearing a mask, not anything. She just looks like a woman in a trench coat with the hat and the hair, you know, with the rifle kind of just yelling at everybody. Um, uh, so there, I was, I was hoping it was going to be more like a Pulp Fiction. Uh, so Patty says that she denies any willing involvement. If you see the picture, it looks a little bit different. It looks like she's 
kind of enjoying yeah. being yeah. there, but maybe for legal reasons. I mean, yeah. plus, like, if you're, like, kidnapped by these people, you're going to want to, like, play along, right? And so she kept saying like, that she was getting like death threats, out. that they yeah. would threaten to execute her on a pretty regular basis. So, <laughs> yeah. So they're Just pretty the... like, we're going to kill you. We're going to kill you. It's uh, new. Exactly. Do you want to die? It, it's like yeah. the Princess Bride, you know, the, in the dreaded prince robert like tonight i'm gonna kill you but uh you know, yeah. i don't know never mind nobody knows <laughs> princess bride yes yeah. We, yeah he threatened he so he's gonna kill him every night but doesn't okay continue that, yeah. <laughs> okay um <laughs> and she also claims to have been uh, sexually assaulted because uh, they were trying to make her sexually free so she says mm. that she was assaulted by both um the founder of the SLA, that's Donald DeFries, and then also um, another person that was a part of it, his last name was Wolf. And they were trying to say that her and Wolf had a relationship, and again, this is all based on what she has said in her book, uh, which she published in 1982 called Every Secret Thing, and then from, you know, what the prosecution was saying and everybody else, so... Mm -hmm. There she was. Now, they only, compared to what you were saying, and I know this was in 1974, so it is different, 1997, um, but they stole over $10,000 from the bank, and that seems like nothing compared to the millions right, <laughs> that we yeah. were talking about. I don't have $10,000, so... I know, that's still a lot, and I guess... But I, compared to the $4 million they were using yeah, to feed people, yeah. $10,000 does not seem like a big... Um, a, 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 a lot a big of money score. Here. A big yeah. score. There we go. I was going to say load. I'm like, mm, that's not the word. <laughs> yeah. That is not the it's word I want. It's not about the load. It's about the thrill. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> um, so after that, SLA moves down to Los Angeles because they want to try to recruit more followers based on their bad rep up in San Francisco. That's not really happening because, you know, people just don't want to die or go to jail. Mm -hmm. So they come down to um, Los Angeles, but they really keep losing their way instead of trying to fight for social change they just keep the members just keep ending up picking fights with the police or trying to have a show showdown or something and that's actually what happened um in los angeles it was actually a large shootout it happened for over two hours and it was all based off of a botched shoplifting uh attempt they went to i think a sporting goods store they were just going to be buying stuff. One of the members was like, well, I'm going to try to rob the guy. And it just all went downhill from there. Uh, the shootout ends because the house ends up getting burned down. And a lot of the SLA members do end up getting killed either by smoke, smoke inhalation. Uh, Donald DeFreeze actually ends up shooting himself in the head. Uh, and then uh, others are, are lost in the house. But Patty Hearst was not one of them. So she um, was able to escape that incident, and they go back up to San Francisco. Now, almost a year after the bank robbery, they decide they're going to do it again. <laughs> mm -hmm. So April 21st, 1975, they rob Crocker Bank. And at this time, so I know Crocker they robbed oh, the Cracker really Barrel. They decided to lower right? their yeah, standards. Exactly, God, that's hilarious. Is the McDonald's closed? <laughs> yeah. like, what and the they're heck? like, "Oh man, okay, here we go." Here, uh, Patty was involved by being the getaway driver this time. 
Um, uh, then she does end up getting captured because of this and, you know, the previous bank robbery and the whole sporting goods incident. And so on September 18th, 1975 is when she finally gets caught. And her defense team is now arguing uh, the Stockholm Syndrome, that she had been uh, kept hostage and was being brainwashed. They said that while she was in the Hibernia Bank, uh, that she was actually on LSD, and so she wasn't in her right mind to be able to make uh, decisions, and that she was in constant fear for her life. Uh, she even saw a psychiatrist that pretty much said, yep, she is suffering from Stockholm Syndrome. Her IQ had apparently dropped from being 130 before being kidnapped down to uh, 112 after being kidnapped mm. and that she was uh, supposedly suffering amnesia of some parts of her life before the kidnapping. Mm. And so they were saying that how she was talking, how she was acting uh, was very on par with somebody that had suffered this kind of trauma of yeah. being kidnapped and that she was just trying to survive. Uh, but she was still uh, sentenced to about seven years in prison. But we got to think, she's a Hearst. So she comes from a very wealthy family, lots of connections. Well, here comes President Jimmy Carter, who decided Ugh. to commuted her, uh, commuted her sentence to time served. So at that time, it was about 22 months but there were very strict stipulations that she would have to be on probation and that she wasn't able to just be free and vote mm -hmm. and do all that stuff. But then comes uh, President Bill Clinton, and he ended up pardoning her on January 20th of 2001. So his very mm -hmm. last day in office, he pardons Patty Hearst, and she's able to get all of her civil rights back. Um, the rest of the SLA group is rotting away in prison. Right, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Uh, now, two Only months... Only they looked good in a rifle and a beret. Right. Yeah, with money. With the <laughs> I looked good snacking. in a beret. <laughs> yeah, you'd get away with it. I don't think... I don't I'd, remember it being a be beret. Good. I think it was like more of a hat. Yeah, you know, you're yeah. probably right. I don't know why I'm... In that. Well, because yeah. it's French. It's Maybe. classy, yeah. Um, two months after she was released from prison, she married Bernard Lee Shaw who was on her security detail while she was on bail. So uh, it seems like she has a tendency to fall for men that are in charge of her or in charge of her security and where she's able to go. Uh, they ended up having two children. And like I said, uh, she wrote her memoirs, Every Secret Thing, in 1981. And then she later uh, collaborated with Cordelia Frances Biddle, on the book The Murder at San Simeon, which came out in 1996, and that is about the death of Thomas H. Uh, you should know this. Is it Ince? Ince. Yes, Thomas Ince. Ince uh, on her grandfather's yacht, and that is another story that I know that Tia wanted to talk about, but I wanted to end with that as a kind of lead-in uh, for when that story is told. So she was working with somebody on that book, maybe to give some inside information as well. So that is Patty Hearst and her very brief crime spree in the mid-1970s. Cheers. Nice. Uh, yeah. awesome. We'll definitely talk about Thomas Ince on uh, another episode. And I do want to get more into William Randolph Hearst. 
Something I love about uh, Patty Hearst is that after this whole thing, she went on to be an actress. Yes. One of my favorite roles of Patty Hearst is in the John Waters film, Serial Mom. She was in a few John Waters films. Yeah. A couple of them. But she, uh, she is like juror number 12. She wears these white shoes in Serial Mom. And uh, she gets killed by, uh, oh, God, what's her name? <sighs> Who's the, who is Serial Mom? Mm. Oh, man. I gotta look it up. Okay. Who knows uh, who Serial Mom is? Kathleen Turner. Kathleen Turner. Oh, okay. She gets killed by Kathleen Turner, and it's amazing. Uh, so, yeah. Anyways. She goes on to be to star in John Waters films. <laughs> yes, yes, he she appears in a few of the John Waters films, and then I think there's also a a tour of the Hearst Castle, and she's the one that's giving the tour in in San Simeon, where Hearst Castle is located. That's awesome. Mm, yeah, yeah. So next week. You're not going to be with us, mm-hmm. but Jameson will be with us. We're going to get into some folklores, La Llorona. I'm going to do skinwalkers, and then Jameson is going to surprise us with another fun thing. Uh, maybe we'll see you the week afterwards. Yeah, definitely. I, well, yeah, I'll check my calendar. Okay. I think okay. so. <laughs> I'll let you know. Uh, anyways, uh, if you want to see the full unedited live video, tune in once a week here on uh, my Facebook Live. Uh, friend me as Tia Bean. Uh, or uh, visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash HH, the podcast. Oh, sorry, I didn't know you were waiting for me. I'm waiting for you. I want to say it correctly. Uh, you got it. Patreon.com slash HH, the podcast. What up, Jessica? Woo! I love how our roommate is watching, but yes. she's like on the other side of this wall. <laughs> there she is, right through there. <laughs> so much support. It's just about to cut too. So much support. Love you guys. Anyways, Hollywood's Haunted, the podcast, is a collective work of the owners and employees of Hollywood Haunted Tours and is available on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe, like, and share because sharing is scary. Don't forget to check out our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash podcast. For more exclusive content, stickers, shirts, right? And much, much more. For more information on Hollywood's Haunted, visit our website at hollywoodshaunted.com. If you have any questions or suggestions or personal paranormal experiences, uh, celebrity encounters, wait, fun. Dead or alive, celebrity encounters. Dead or alive. Oh, okay. Yeah, send us uh, your Hollywood stories. You know, uh, things that you've done out there. Have you, are you a character on Hollywood Boulevard? I probably already know you. Uh, <laughs> but send us your email uh, at hollywoodshaunted at gmail.com. We love you all. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you guys for tuning in on our first Facebook Live uh, broadcast. And uh, have a good night. Stay spooky, everyone. Wow. <laughs> 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 <laughs>